Man, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know your mouth, when we speak, we release words which are seeds that go into the ground. And as we water those seeds by saying things over and over again, what grows up is what you partake of. It's what happens in your life. And a lot of times it's either positive or negative. And to be honest with you guys, that's why it's so important that we speak life over our situations. Speak life over our kids. Speak life over our business. You speak it before you see it. We don't speak it, you know, once you already got it, you got it. There's no reason to actually say anything about it. You know what I'm saying? But if in my body, like, you know, Friday, I begin to start feeling a little sick. Has anybody ever felt a little sick at times? You know, your nose gets running. It's like Niagara Falls. It can't stop. Has anybody ever had that happen? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had some symptoms coming on me like the flu type symptoms. Well, I mean, uh, first thing you do, I mean, I do anyway, is I go to God and say, God, look, this ain't going to happen. Okay. We got to get rid of this in the name of Jesus. But then I got some NyQuil and prayed over that too. Hallelujah. Yep. And then I'm wrong with a little NyQuil. Amen. Give it to your grandkids. They sleep good. I mean, it, NyQuil works, man. On many of them. I'm just kidding. We don't do that. <laughs> but see, the thing about it is, is I ask God to heal me, and I release faith for God to heal me before I ever, ever experienced healing. I'm speaking to my circumstances, believing that the words I speak are moving the circumstances in my life. And when you do that about anything in your life, you may not see the words actually working. Again, it's a spiritual thing. I'm talking right now, and you're hearing me, but you're not seeing any word come out of my mouth. You're not seeing one word come out of my mouth. But the words that you speak, the words that I speak are either helping us or they're hurting us. They're helping us get out of a situation or they're helping us get into a situation. It's very critical, guys, through this whole series that we've understood one thing. Watch what you say. It's life and death, Proverbs tells us. My big fat mouth, you know, the first week we talked about lying, I went over all that. But I want to give you some big thoughts over the last three weeks that we've actually talked. Lying. When you lie, you're obeying the father of lies, the devil. One of the things we saw in that series was the root, or that message, the root reason most of us lie is because we don't completely trust God and His Word. We trust Him. This is, this is what we need to do. Trust Him and tell the truth at all times. But if you do lie, not that I say you should lie. Lying is sin. There's never a good time to lie. Never. Never, never, never. So from this pulpit right here, I'm telling you, never lie. I don't care if somebody's got a gun to your head. And they're going to pull the trigger if you don't tell a lie. If you tell the truth, you're dead. You don't lie. Never lie. Does everybody understand me on that? Never. There's never a good time to lie. Hallelujah, because you don't want to stand before God after he does pull the trigger. <laughs> Whoa, man, sorry about that, God, hallelujah. Because death is not the end, hallelujah. It's the beginning of forever, eternity, hallelujah. But if you do lie and we do mess up, then confess to God for forgiveness and to people for healing. Amen? Because sometimes you need to confess to God. Well, all the time you need to confess to him, but you also need to confess to the person you lied to. And I'm going to tell you what, if you'll do that on a number of occasions, like you get off the phone and you know you exaggerated and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you call them back and say, hey guys, I just want to let you know, that was, I, I, I lied. You do that enough, you'll quit lying. You'll quit lying, okay? You're holding yourself accountable. But it's even teaching you a bigger lesson, guys, because if you don't believe what you say, you're never going to believe what God said. And if you're constantly lying to yourself, you ain't going to believe him. You're going to think maybe he's exaggerating. You've got to learn to tell the truth. And I know it's a simple principle, but guys, we tend to not do that in America. We, we, we don't, and we just, we need to do that. Gossip, the message of gossip, we learn when you talk negatively. What is gossip? When you talk negatively about somebody not present. Has anybody ever done that? 
Have you talked negatively about somebody when they're not around you? Everybody has. Well, we, we won't want to do that. And the only way you can resolve the problem that you have with somebody is to talk to the person that is part of the problem. We learned that. We also learned that negativity goes up. That means in your organization, you go with your negativity, you go up to the leaders that are above you. You don't spread negativity in your family, in a church, in a business, no. Now, positive things, they go everywhere. Be positive wherever you go. Hallelujah. Then last week we talked about complaining. And two of the things we actually really highlighted was if you can change your circumstances, then do something about it. If you can't change your circumstances, what do we do? We change our perspective. Change our perspective. And many of us may be in that position. Just change the way you look at it. I'm telling you, it makes a difference, man. It really does make a difference. So today, we're going to talk about criticizing. Do you know anybody that criticizes? Have you ever criticized? Oh, yeah, we have. Did it make you feel better after you did it? No. No, it don't fix none of the problem. I guarantee you, all of what I said last night didn't fix that play. I tried. Hallelujah. I tried. I gave it all I have, but it didn't, it didn't change it. Criticizing will never change the problem. It only makes the problem even look worse. And then it begins to get in you, and it begins to become a part of you. That's why we got to stay away from it, because like I said, once you criticize, it opens up a door for other things to come in. Everyone has criticized at some point in their life. And I'm not talking about being helpful in coaching others. Okay, helping others get better. That's called constructive criticism. We need that in our life. If you don't have people in your life that are helping you like that, you need to get people in your life. I have a beautiful wife that is very constructive with her criticism towards me every Sunday, during the week, all throughout my life. But she's done it in a way to help build me up. She's like a coach to me. I've had other people in my life do the same thing. You need people in your life to help you get better. But I'm talking about criticism that brings people down, that tears them down, makes them feel bad. You know, makes them feel worthless. You know, that's the criticism, destructive talk. That's what we want to talk about today. We want to, we want to get that fixed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that nagging stuff too. Some of you may be thinking, I wish so-and-so was here today. You know, have you ever went to a message and you hear a message and you think, man, I wish this person was here. Or maybe in the world of technology now we can just send a link to the message to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Boy, they really need this. But may I remind you that this whole series has been called my big fat mouth, not their big fat mouth. Why? You can't control what others say, but you can control what you say. And friend, I'm telling you guys, and the reason why I'm so passionate about this, because it's the little things in life that absolutely can bring big things negatively in our life, that can cause some of the worst damage, just those little bitty things that we don't correct. I'm telling you, you can talk to a pilot, and if a pilot... If you asked him the question, hey, how can you get off course and how easy can it be to get off course? He would tell you that if he just got off just a little bit in a 2,000-mile flight, if he was going from here to L.A. and he's off just a little bit, he could end up in Alaska just by one little thing being off. So if we don't correct the little things now, then where are we going to be in 10 years? And our mouth is what gets us there. I'm telling you, your mouth has everything to do with where you're going. And if we don't control this, we don't control our life. And then when you get to places in your life and you wish you wasn't there, all you got to do is look right under your nose. Because the answer's not far. It's right there. But it's not correcting the little things. 
And I'm telling you guys, I want to teach you. I want you guys to get in your spirit that, guys, look, we got to be people of the word. We got to be people of the spirit. We got to be people that are faithful and diligent to do this because, guys, the enemy is walking about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to take us out. He desires to take us out. Oh, it's his day, man. You talk about high fives in hell. When he's able to take somebody out, he loves it. He loves it. And we don't want that to happen. Hallelujah. The problem with criticism is it's difficult to see in the mirror. We hate when other people criticize us, but we often don't realize when we're criticizing other people because we often feel very justified in criticizing them. Because if they weren't so weird or so stupid, or if they didn't spend their money in an unwise way, then we wouldn't criticize them. Because after all, we know what's best for their life. We know what's best. We know. I mean, hey, all they got to do is ask us. We know what they need to do with their money. We know how they need to raise their kids. Have you ever looked at somebody else's kids and go, my God. Are you kidding me? Do they even know what discipline is? This is embarrassing. I mean, really. I mean, like your kids don't need some instruction. Who's got perfect angels in here? Now, I mean, be honest. Don't you be, well, yeah, we, by faith, we got perfect angels, okay? I can promise you every kid in this room has to have some adjustment and correction. But you know you've been in store and you've seen people, man, their kids grabbing everything and acting crazy. And you, you, you have some opinions. And if somebody's with you, you might even voice it. Or you're in the line at the store going, my gosh, why can't they hurry up? I mean, do they realize we're here? I mean, you know, I've been standing here two minutes. I mean, this is way too long. I mean, you know, I mean, so we see these things. Hallelujah. God has a wonderful plan for their life, but so do I. So if you don't live to my plan, I will criticize the way you raise your kids, the way you dress, the way you post on Facebook and Instagram, how you drive, and where you went for your last vacation because I knew you didn't have enough money to pay for that vacation. Have you ever had people that go and do something and buy something? You go, man, they ain't got enough money for that. What are they doing? My God, I just gave them $50 last week, and they're going to get a brand new car. Criticize, criticize, criticize. We don't know the whole story most of the time, but yet we tend to be very critical, Okay. Very critical. And I can say this because I'm a sports fanatic. I'm a Jesus fanatic first, but I like sports a lot. It is so easy to sit in a chair and be a critic of something that you had no part in planning. No part. I mean, we got several coaches in this room that could coach college football really well from a chair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's true. And it's that way with anything in life. There's a lot of people in this room that have raised a lot of imaginary families in your mind. <laughs> but the reality is, is when you hit the ground running with a family and you got kids, it's a whole new world. That's why I don't listen to people that don't have kids. Don't tell me how to do kids. You ain't never had no kid. Are you kidding me? <laughs> kids are a blessing. <laughs> but they flatten all crazy sometimes too, you know what I'm saying? Because we, we used to be one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What I want to do today is I want us to look at a very popular verse found in Galatians 14. Paul was writing this to the church at Galatia. And many of y'all are going to know this verse as soon as I read the first part of it. But we're going to hit the second part. It's really what I really want to focus on. But verse 14 says this. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Leave it there. Leave it there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Would it not be good to say talk about your neighbor the way you talk about yourself. Could we not say that too? Because I can tell you right now, everybody in this room, when you're telling a story and you was involved, you're either hero or it wasn't that bad as you tell it. You ain't going to give all the truth. You're not going to tell everything negative about you. 
I tell people all the time, you really want to know how good a daddy or a mama is? Interview the kids. Interview other family members. Best way to do it, right? If you want to know what kind of man I am, interview everybody in my life. And then you're going to find out what kind of man I am. Don't do it. I'm just kidding. I'm a good guy, really. <laughs> do Belinda. She's she raving reviews, man. She's good, all right? But seriously, guys, it's so true. We talk well of ourselves, but what if we talked about others the way we talk about us? You see what I'm saying? I mean, when I look in the mirror on any day, any day, I don't care Sunday morning, I don't care when it is. When I look in the day, I see a hunk of a man. I am good looking, very good looking. I am. I mean, it's just the way I do it. That's the way I roll. I believe in Nathan. I do. I have a lot of confidence in me. But I need to take that same passion to others and believe in them, just like I believe in me. And you'll see your world get better when you believe in people like that, when you speak to people like that. You don't look at the negative. Man, it's always easy to walk into a room and start finding the negative. That's easy. You don't need a degree. You don't have to go to college. I'm telling you, you can get a degree and be a perfect criticism person. Criticizing person. Critical person. There we go. I didn't go to college. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you can. And you never have to go to a school. It's easy to criticize. But listen to this next part. Paul says, but if you always are biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Look at those two words right there, devouring and destroying. What do those two words, who do they describe? The devil. Those are his characteristics. So when you're devouring one another, when you're destroying one another, and how do we do it? It ain't talking about with a knife and a gun. It's talking about with words. We're actually obeying somebody that we don't want to obey. Because how many of y'all in this room have had somebody come up to you and say something very kind and nice? We all have. That makes you feel good. And when you go back to that place where that individual said that to you, you're going to look for them. They're going to stand out to you. But how many of you have had people say some negative, derogative things about you? I'm not too excited when I'm going somewhere when I know somebody did it to me. Family or not. I'm telling you guys, we have an opportunity as church people, as Christ followers, to literally change our world, change people's life, change the direction of their life by the words we speak over them. We really, really do, guys. It's amazing. So we don't want to devour one another. We don't want to destroy one another. So what if your mouth was destroying intimacy in your marriage? What if your mouth was building a wall with your kids? Way too quiet. <laughs> Come on, guys. What if your mouth and your words were distancing you from your friends? This is a big one here, too. What if your words were damaging your witness of Christ? I'm going to say something, guys, and I want you to swallow this. But when you're at work, Christ is at work with you. And when you're at work and you get engaged in a conversation about somebody negatively, when you're criticizing others, even when you're criticizing a football team or anything, I'm telling you, the world's watching. The world's watching. And it's hurting your witness. A lot of times we wonder why people don't come to church with us. It could be because of how you are. How you talk, how you act. Oh, but I don't do that real bad. I don't murder and steal. I don't do real bad things. 
Listen, the world's watching you. You're on a pedestal. Everybody in this room, you're on a pedestal. And it's easy to come up here and get your praise on, get your hallelujah on. But I'm telling you what, we need to be getting it on out there. When the world starts talking bad, when things are going negatively, what are they desiring to see? A positive person, a positive word. It's crucial, guys. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. God puts a lot of weight on your tongue, it being such a small member. But man, that thing has the power to turn ships, destroy armies, destroy families, destroy businesses. That one member can set on fire. Hell, hallelujah. Proverbs says this right here, Proverbs 12, 18. It says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. The words of the wise bring healing. You know, Ephesians 4.29, I'm going to read this out of a couple of different translations. But Ephesians 4.29 in the easy to read version says this, When you talk, don't say anything bad. So how much bad should we say? Not anything. But say the good things that people need, whatever will help them grow stronger. Then what you say will be a blessing to those who hear you. In the Amplified it says, Do not let unwholesome foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion. So it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. I'm going to read out a couple more translations. This may, may not be up. Okay, this is God's Word translation. Don't say anything that would hurt another person. Period. I mean, if you know what you're about to say is going to hurt somebody, shut up. Nathan, <laughs> I'm talking to me too, man. I'm serious. Why do we want to say things to hurt somebody? They don't bring nothing good out of it. He goes on to say, instead, speak only what is good so that you can give help wherever it is needed. See how we see speaking good? Help. Speak good? Help. There's something to do with speaking good. It helps people along in life. We live in a world that's all about negative. We got kids at home that are being hammered sometimes. We got parents at home that are raising some crazy kids that are, they need a word of encouragement. We just need a good word. That's why when we come to church early, we're able to help each other and give good words to each other. Hug next. Hey, man, I'm praying for you. You're a blessing. I love you. I mean, just good things. This is an atmosphere that helps us get built up, not just in praising the word, but get built up as we're together. That's why we don't forsake the assembling together of ourselves. Not so the preacher can ask you to give and pay tithe. That's not it. That's not it at all. It's about us coming together to encourage one another. To actually separate from the world for a little bit and, and fill up our God tank. Fill up that love tank. Fill up some of that stuff so we can get ready to go back out there and give it away. Amen? <clears throat> Hallelujah. We need to be talking right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ephesians 4.29 in the New King James Version, it says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. That's one verse that Paul actually has given us that can revolutionize your whole life. That one verse. We have no idea how much criticism can hurt someone's heart. And we have no idea how God might use a single word of encouragement to change somebody's life. I'm telling you guys, I feel like what God has for us more than anything is to put value on what we say. Value what you're getting ready to say. James tells us before we speak, man, we need to be very cautious. He said, be slow to speak. Very slow to speak. Slow, slow, slow. 
Does anybody in here like to talk? Besides me? Y'all breathe a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No idea how much criticism can hurt one's heart. And no idea how God might use one single word of encouragement. So which do you want to be? On your worksheet, I got two things. And I want you to answer the question as I go through this. What, which do you want to be? Number one, do you want to be a fault finder? Do you want to be a fault finder? We tend to look at what's wrong before we look at what is right. Being a fault finder. Looking for faults everywhere you go. Spouse doesn't chew right, doesn't walk right, doesn't drive right, doesn't breathe. You know, don't, don't breathe right, okay? I mean, we just criticize, criticize, criticize. I'm chewing food, having a good time, and, and, and Belinda may look over and say, Nathan, well, you know, do you have to chew with your mouth open? <laughs> no, I don't have to, but, you know. My nose is stopped. I can't breathe. I got to breathe out of my mouth, okay? I mean, there could be a reason why food's falling out of my mouth. Be, be a little patient with me. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't eat right. I mean, I don't. I, I work on that. That's, that's a constructive criticism. You know, you walk into the office, you say, man, this place, they don't have no plan here. I mean, they ain't got no good workers here. Maybe you're always late. Or you're talking about other people's always late. Look at their clothes. Ugly. Got bad odor. Hallelujah. They're not focused. Look at the boss. He's crazy. He's out of his mind. He ain't got a lick of sense. My God, what's wrong with him? <laughs> I mean, we, you know, <laughs> they ain't understanding. They don't understand me around here. They just don't get me. You know, I wish they'd wake up, understand what I go through in life. They'd be a little bit passionate about me. Hallelujah. The pay's not good enough. Has anybody ever heard somebody criticize because the pay ain't good enough? <laughs> I mean, I want to tell them people on the job, man, go get another job then. I want to hear your junk, you know? I mean, criticize, criticize, criticize. We always can find something to criticize about. But guys, we don't want to be those people. We don't want to be those people. Hallelujah. If any of this describes you, then you're acting like the devil and the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees were this way. The Pharisees, when Jesus was on this earth, they constantly picked at Jesus all the time. And this is the way the devil is. You know, in Revelation in Revelations 12, the devil is called the what? Accuser. He's always nagging to God about his children. He is pointing out their faults. Look what's wrong. Pharisees did the same thing. God is, I mean, the devil is constantly going to God, pointing out your flaws. Constantly. Trying to get access to your life. Nagging, 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 nagging. We don't want to be that way, guys. We do not want to be that way. So why do we criticize? Number one, it's full of pride. We're full of pride. We think we know what's best. We think it makes us look smarter, funny, or better. A lot of times when somebody's criticizing somebody else's work or what they do, you're trying to make yourself look better. It's nasty. It's vomit. It's gross. It is gross. Man, I'm telling you what, man. I, just, I mean, really, if you want to get me not to buy your stuff, start talking about somebody else's stuff. That's the quickest way to get me to not buy nothing from you. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's nasty. People want to tear down somebody else to make their product or what they're doing so much better. You just lost me. I'm not your customer no more. Because if you have to tear somebody down to make what you got look good, then what you got ain't that good anyway. Because if you got something good, see, Apple don't have to tear nobody down about their product. Why? <laughs> they good, and they know it. Okay? Now, Samsung, on the other hand, likes to tear down Apple. <laughs> Samsung likes to have the commercial and makes fun of Apple. Now, Samsung don't have to do it neither. I know they're just playing with each other, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, I got a Samsung, so I guess I need to get rid of my Samsung. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Ditch the Samsung. We're going to Apple. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
<clears throat> but anyway, the point is, guys, is if you've got something good, that's why I've had a hard time about some of these things like Kirby vacuum, a cleaner, other things they'd want to, they'd see my passion or my energy and be like, man, you'd make a great salesman, Nathan. You ought to get on this thing. I can't sell something that I don't believe in. I just can't. And a lot of these products are meant to tear down something else to lift them up. You know, Kirby is the best vacuum cleaner on the planet, right? I mean, there is no other vacuum You know, Rainbow, the best vacuum cleaner on the planet. I'm just saying, guys, when you're a part of something that's about tearing others down to lift up, or if that's you that tears somebody down, it's, it's just not good, you know? But the why we do it is we're full of pride. Number two, we're also insecure, and therefore we criticize in others sometimes the very thing that our weakness in ourselves. You're trying to get others to think better about what you are not. Hmm. We have weaknesses in our own life, so we criticize people in an area that we're weak in. Number three, the third reason is because we just don't understand. So often we criticize from a distance things we know nothing about. We don't have the complete picture, so we criticize. I have never met a critical person I wanted to be like. Have you? Man, I want to be like that. No, I've always been attracted to a humble person that always does their best to promote others. Others. Your success is in how you help others become successful. That should be your goal, man. I mean, you should live to make others' lives better. I'm telling you, man, it just should be a part of your DNA that you live to give. You live to help others. I'm telling you, there is no other life like that right there. You just, it makes you live better. You know, Proverbs 21, 19 in the easy-to-read version. I'm about to read this. Don't put it up yet. Hallelujah. Well, it's there. Let's look at it. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Let's put it up there. Now, this verse right here, I want to read this, and all you husbands, just look straight ahead. This is to the wives. I did not write this, okay? So let's read this. Glory to God. <clears throat> it is better to live alone in the desert than when a quick-tempered wife who loves to argue. May God bless the reading of his word. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I brought that verse here because they don't have one about men. So I brought this wife, this wife first. I brought this verse here. To let you guys know that it ain't just talking about wives. It's talking about people. I'm telling you, you would rather live in a desert, in a tent, with no water, no food, no nothing, to be around people that just love to argue, quick-tempered. You know what I'm saying? And we don't, we just don't want to be that people, man. You're not, you're not attractive at all. Hallelujah. What do you want to be known for? You want to be known as a fault finder? Or do you want to be known as a hope dealer? A hope dealer. Not dope dealer. Hope dealer. Now, he dope dealer. We ain't doing no dope dealing. Hallelujah. You know? Now, if you live in Colorado and you listen to this podcast later, I know you don't do it for recreational use, but hey, you know, <laughs> hallelujah. But we do not want to be dope dealers, but we do want to be hope dealers. Romans 15, 13, the Bible says this. Paul, again, writing to the church at Rome, he said, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was a hope dealer wherever he went. He was in jail. He was persecuted. He was beat. He was on a mission to bring the hope of the message of Jesus to the world. If anybody had a reason not to have hope, it was Paul. Paul was persecuted. He was, man, that guy was in some bad situations. But constantly, everywhere he went, he's pouring out hope. He's giving hope to everybody. Because I'm going to tell you something. You take hope away from an individual, they quit living. Hope is what keeps you going. I'm talking about the God kind of hope. Not the I hope so. The God kind of hope. Hallelujah. Let's look at what Paul, he, he, he wrote one chapter. And I want you this uh, chapter, 
okay, of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. Now, I just highlighted a few things in just this one chapter. And you're gonna, I'm going to just highlight a few things. And you just tell me if they don't bring you hope. In Romans 8, 1, Paul said that there is now no condemnation in Christ. That means there's no condemnation as you being in Christ. Okay? He goes on to say that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. It also says God will work all things out for the good for those who love Him. He goes on to say that you are more than a conqueror through Him who loved us. I mean, come on, man. In just that little bit, we're starting to get encouraged. And he goes on to say that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. The Holy Spirit is praying for you and me. I mean, come on. You think our prayers are effective? His are really effective. He said that there's neither death nor life, angels or demons, present or future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation that will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's one chapter. And look how much hope he just gave us in one chapter. I'm telling you, Paul was changing the known world in some of the roughest places you could actually go to. Constantly changing the world. Bringing people hope in hopeless situations. But also Jesus is called in 1 Timothy 1, our hope. He's also in Titus 2, Jesus is called the blessed hope. In 1 Peter 1, he's called our living hope. What about the woman caught in adultery that was drug out to Jesus? She's naked before Jesus. Probably feels worthless. She's been used and abused by men. These men are saying, stone her. It's what the law says. And the law did say that. So by all rights, they should have stoned her. But what's Jesus about to do? He's about to deal out some hope. He's about to deal out some hope to this woman that needs it. He starts writing something down in the sand. Many people say that he was writing down their sins because it started with the oldest and went to the youngest. They started walking away. Oh, I did that last night. I better go. Let me get out of here. But one by one, they left. And now he's standing here looking at the woman in adultery, eyeball to eyeball. And he says, where's your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. He says something really powerful. I'm giving you hope, but go and sin no more. Because sin will take away your hope. Sin will destroy your life. How many of y'all know that this woman that was caught in adultery, how how many of y'all would think that that changed her life that day? Now, I don't really know where she fits in the storyline because we don't really say a whole lot about her. But I'm going to tell you something, when you're low and you don't know where to go, what to do, and somebody walks up to you and gives you some hope, man, I'm going to tell you what, man, that changes your life. And i got to believe with all my heart that this woman that was caught in adultery was at the lowest of lows, guys. And God gave her hope. Jesus was the hope dealer that day. What do you want to be? Do you want to be a fault finder or do you want to be a hope dealer? Satan is the father of lies. He's the deceiver. He's the prince of darkness. He's an accuser. And how many of you know everybody in this room can obey him at any time? And sometimes do it and not even know you're doing it. He is a deceiver. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one that brings hope. Jesus is the one that brings living hope. Do you want to be a fault finder or do you want to be a hope dealer? Fault finders, they build, uh, they belittle, they tear down, they make people feel bad. Hope dealers lift, strengthen, and encourage. Maybe your child may not be an A student. Maybe they don't make straight A's. And we want to work on that. We do want to work on that. We don't want to just kind of ignore that. But maybe we ought to look at how, maybe they're compassionate. Maybe they're kind. Maybe they're a giving person. Why don't we look at the good things about that child and not just zero in on the negative? And it's so easy to do. 
Maybe your wife is not that organized. But maybe she's a great mother to the kids. Maybe she loves those kids with the love of God. And she nourishes those kids. Why don't we focus on that right there? Maybe your husband may not win yard of the month. But when he is out there cutting the grass, you wives, you future wives, y'all say, man, you are so sexy when you're out there cutting grass. <laughs> you have got to be the sexiest man on the planet. You are beautiful. I love you, man. You're awesome. Hallelujah. Maybe your coworker may get on your nerves. But tell them how good they are. Focus on lifting them up. Maybe the student at school gives you a hard time. Anybody got any of those at school? <laughs> Hallelujah. How about if we just respond with something good? It can change the whole dynamics of the situation. Let's all be people of hope and encouragement to all people in our world and watch your world change for the good. People will be glad when they see you coming because they know they will be built up, they will be encouraged, and you will be giving them hope. Guys, we want people, when they see us coming in this community, they know they're about to get lifted up. They know that they're about to be encouraged because we're people of hope. The message of Jesus is all about hope. It's giving people what they need with people that are real. Just real people serving a real God, wanting to make a real difference. Just being real, being authentic. We are going to be hope dealers, not fault finders. Paul's last words of a letter, as I close to the Corinthian church. Check this out in 2 Corinthians 3, 11, uh, 13, 11. This is his final words to a, a church that he had birthed and he had started. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. How do you live in harmony and peace? As you encourage each other. We don't be critical. We don't lie. We don't gossip. We don't complain. And we are not critical people. Four things I believe God is trying to get across to each and every one of us guys. And I want you to let it come in. I want you to let it sink down in your heart. We don't want to be people that are like what we've been talking about. We don't want to be gossipers. We don't want to be liars. We don't want to be, you know, people that complain all the time or criticize all the time. No, no, no. But you know, if you're here today and you, you look back over your life or over the past week and you say, well, Nathan, man, you know what? I've, I've missed that. I've messed up. You know, I have criticized in some areas. I have been very critical at times. You know, maybe your parents ain't all what you think they should be, but you know what? They're your parents. And they're doing so much better for you than you really give them credit for. And you need to start changing that. I mean, seriously. I mean, it don't just start with the parents. Kids can change the atmosphere of a house. They can be the ones that step up. You don't know the pressure that a mom and dad are under to run a family. You will soon as you grow and you get out on your own. You'll understand. Especially when you get a couple kids running in your house. Hallelujah. You really understand. If you're hugging your mom and daddy, kissing them. Hey, I know where you're going. Here, take these kids. I want to go off my, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Passing them grandbabies off, man. I'm out of here. But guys, we just need to encourage each other. I mean, just texting each other. Hey, how you doing? Just want to let you know I love you. Praying for you. Technology has made it so easy for us just to kind of connect and love on each other, man. But how much better our days would be if we rallied around each other and looked at the good. And you're constantly pointing out the good. I mean, what if we just got so addicted to doing good? 
I mean, when we see people, we never see their faults. We always just see something good. And if we do see a fault, we love them so much we want to help them get out of that fault. Not talk about them so they can stay in it. Because I'm telling you right now, criticizing the Tom about a problem that I have, you, that ain't helping me. Come sit down with me and say, Nathan, look, man, I want to help you out a little bit, man. I love you, man. What do you think about this right here? That's what's going to help me. I welcome that all day long. Let's just be people that watch our big, fat mouth. Let's all bow our head. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Father God, that as we have went through this series, Father God, I, I personally, myself, I say yes to what you're wanting to do in my life. I say yes to bridling my tongue. And I say yes to your grace to help me. And I pray, Father God, for the grace and the mercy to rest upon each and every person in this room. That we be hope dealers. We be people that are, are encouraging, uh, encouragement givers. That, Father, we look for ways to build people up. I just pray, Father God, that we fall in love with helping others be better than us. Oh, Father, we just love you and praise you right now. I just thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you're the prime example of laying down your life. You had everything in heaven and you laid it down to come down here to give us a better life. To give us an opportunity to be able to come where we, we first started. And Jesus, I say thank you for that. And I pray that this whole church today will be people of hope. People that are ready to make a difference. Because we know, Father God, as we do, it will flip around and it'll make us better. It'll help us. We give you praise and glory and honor in the name of Jesus.